Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihil kareem. Rabbish rahli sadri wa yassirli amri wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma ahdi qalbi wa saddid lisani waslul sakhimata qalbi. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Inshallah we'll begin from bab number 51. باب من أعطاه الله شيئا من غير مسألة ولا إشراف نفس باب من أعطاه الله شيئا The person whom Allah gives something to من The person who أعطاه الله Allah gives him شيئا something How من غير مسألة Without him asking for it ولا إشراف نفس and nor being greedy for it. Earlier we learned about the prohibition of begging, right? Of asking people for things. And now Imam Bukhari is going to bring a few ahadith that show that it is not wrong to receive something from people. Because when we learn about the prohibition of begging, then a person might go to the other extreme of thinking that it's not okay to accept anything from people. Right? So you feel guilty and you feel like you have to get everything yourself. So here, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you something, of course, this is through people. How? That there's two important things. First of all, min ghayri mas'alatin, you didn't beg for it. Alright? And secondly, wala ishrafi nafsin, nor are you greedy for it. Now the word ishraf, ishraf is from ashrafa and ashrafa is when something rises. When something rises or becomes elevated. And ashrafa ala al-maut is when someone is very close to dying. And ashrafa ala shay is when a person is very eager for something. When a person is very eager for something, they want it really badly. So here a person is receiving something. How? They didn't ask for it. And they're not even greedy for it. So is it sinful to receive? No, it is not sinful to receive as long as these conditions are met. What's the hadith? حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَى بْنُ بُكَيْرٍ حَدَّثَنَا اللَّيْثُ عَنْ يُونُسْ عَنِ الزُّهْرِيِّ عَنْ سَالِمٍ أَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنَ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا قَالَ سَمِعْتُ عُمَرَ So Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he is saying that I heard Umar. Who is Umar? His father, right? His father. This is Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu. So he said, Yaqulu he said, that kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ata'a. He would give me something as a gift. Ata is a gift. So he would give me something, فأقول, so I would say to him, that a'tihi, give it to who? Man huwa afqaru ilayhi minni. Someone who is more in need of it than I am. فَقَالَ So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, خُذْهُ Take it. إِذَا جَاءَكَ مِنْ هَذَا الْمَالِ شَيْءٌ When something of this wealth comes to you, وَأَنْتَ غَيْرُ مُشْرِفٍ And you are not eager for it, وَلَا سَائِلٍ Nor are you asking for it, then فَخُذْهُ Then take it. وَمَا لَا And as for what doesn't come to you, meaning if someone does not gift you something, then فَلَا تُتْبِعْهُ نَفْسَكْ 
then do not run after it. Then do not send your soul after it. Meaning, don't go on and begging for it. So we see very clearly in this hadith that it is not wrong to receive something as a gift. A person should not feel guilty about it. A person should not feel bad when receiving a gift. Sometimes what happens is that we receive a gift and then we say you don't have to and it's okay and in our hearts we like it. We are happy that we are receiving a gift but on the outward we have to pretend like it's not nice. And that's really not a nice feeling because when you're giving a gift to someone then you want that the other person should take it happily. Right? And if they keep saying no, 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 then it's almost like you're being rejected. So there should be grace in giving and also grace in taking. We should also accept gifts gracefully. And then we learn over here that if something comes to you without you asking for it, then there's nothing wrong with it. So then the question is, is it permissible to ask at all? Because again, we see very clearly that it comes to you without you asking. So then is it permissible to ask? Is it permissible to ask? Yes? When? When is it permissible to ask? Exactly. When a person is in extreme need and he's not able to get what he needs himself. Alright? Like for example, a person is financially struggling, they're not able to buy food. For, for example, they don't even have enough money to buy food. Can they ask for food? Yes, they can. Alright? Provided that they cannot get it themselves. Alright? Um, but then there is another question. Can a person ask for things like a raise in their salary? Not really, because very clearly it is said over here that wamala fala nafsak. If you have to ask for it, then don't don't pursue. So asking for a salary, I mean technically if you just take this hadith as it is, it seems like no. Hmm? That you should not ask because it seems like you should not be asking others for anything. But remember that if a person is asking for a salary for the work that they're doing, all right, and that salary is a reasonable amount, meaning an average person would receive that same kind of money for the work that is being done, then there's nothing wrong with it. And the raise also comes in the same discussion. And of course, if a person is in need, then again, they can ask for a raise. باب من سأل الناس تكثرا من سأل الناس the one who asks people why تكثرا in order to increase his wealth تكثر is from كثرة كثرة is when something is a lot so تكثر is to make something more so instead of working and making more money what is this person doing? simply relying on begging now this باب means two things one is the meaning that I just gave you asking for money, begging in order to increase your wealth. And the second interpretation of this is asking people a lot, meaning asking too many questions. Asking people excessively, nagging. So for example, a person is not asking for a lot of money, but they're asking for maybe even $5, but how? 10 times, 15 times. You understand? So there's two things. One is that they're going person to person to person to person. Again and again and again. Why? To increase their wealth. And the other is that a person is asking the same individual, for example, a lot. So both of these are blameworthy. They're not appropriate. People should not be harassed. Also remember that if a person is begging in order to increase their money, then this is not just blameworthy. It's actually sinful. Right? It's actually prohibited to do that. 
Do you remember the evidence for this? Why is it prohibited to ask people for money to increase one's wealth? Exactly. In a hadith, we learned that whoever asks of people to accumulate wealth is asking for a live coal. So it's up to him. He can either get a lot or he can get little. And there's another hadith also that mentions that charity is not permissible for a rich person or for one who is strong and healthy. Now what's the hadith over here? حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَ بْنُ بُكَيْرٍ حَدَّثَنَا اللَّيْثُ عَنْ عُبَيْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ أَبِي جَعْفَرٍ قَالَ سَمِعْتُ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that مَا يَزَالُ الرَّجُلُ A person does not stop to يَسْأَلُ ask Meaning he keeps on asking, he keeps on begging حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Until he will come on the Day of Judgment in a state that لَيْسَ فِي وَجْهِهِ There will not be on his face مُزْعَةُ لَحْمٍ A piece of flesh Meaning he will come on the Day of Judgment such that his face will only be bones, no flesh on it. وَقَالَ إِنَّ الشَّمْسَ تَدْنُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ الْعَرَقُ نِصْفَ الْأُذُنِ Now here the Day of Judgment is described. And he said that indeed the sun will draw near on the Day of Judgment until يَبْلُغَ الْعَرَقُ Until the sweat will reach نِصْفَ الْأُذُنِ Half of the ear. Meaning a person will be drowning in their sweat. A person will be drowning in their sweat until it will be reaching their ear. فَبَيْنَاهُمْ كَذَلِكَ إِسْتَغَاثُ بِآدَمْ And while they will be in such a state, they will go and plead Adam salam. Why will people go to Adam salam? Exactly, to ask him, to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to begin judgment. This is the weight of the 50,000 years. And during this time, people will already be suffering the consequence of their deeds. Summa bi Musa, but Adam alayhi salam, he will refuse to intercede, right? He will remember his mistake. So then they will go to Musa alayhi salam. Will Musa alayhi salam agree? No, he won't agree either. What will he remember? His mistake when he killed someone by accident. And then they will go to, before Musa alayhi salam and after him also, they will go to other prophets, the Ulul Azm. And then finally they will come to Summa bi Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They will come to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is mentioned over here to remind us of the length of the Day of Judgment. وَزَادَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ حَدَّثَنِ اللَّيْثُ حَدَّثَنِ ابْنُ أَبِي جَعْفَرِ فَيَشْفَعُ لِيُقْضَ بَيْنَ الْخَلْقِ Then the Prophet ﷺ will intercede so that there is judgment between the creation. فَيَمْشِي حَتَّى يَأْخُذَ بِحَلْقَةِ الْبَابِ And then he will go until he will take hold of the ring of the door. فَيَوْمَئِذٍ يَبْعَثُهُ اللَّهُ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا And that is the day when Allah will raise him to a station that is praiseworthy. And what is this station? This is the station where he will be allowed to intercede. And this is the station where he will go on praising and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَحْمَدُهُ أَهْلُ الْجَمْعِ كُلُّهُمْ And then all of the people of the gathering will praise him. وَقَالَ مُعَلًّا حَدَّثَنَا بُهَيْبٌ عَنِ النُّعْمَانِ بْنِ رَاشِدٍ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ مُسْلِمٍ أَخِ الزُّهْرِيِّ عَنْ حَمْزَةَ سَمِعَ بْنَ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي الْمَسْأَلَةِ So here we see that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he narrated over here the hadith about mas'ala. Mas'ala meaning begging. Alright? So this is the whole narration. Now, what do we see over here? Very clearly the prohibition of begging. 
that how this will be a source of disgrace and embarrassment for a person on the day of judgment how that a person will come while there is not even a muz'atu lahm on their face now the word muz'a means qit'a qit'a means peace so not even a small piece of flesh will be on the face of this person this is how this person will be recognized remember that on the day of judgment when people will be gathered they will be resurrected and gathered according to their deeds all right we will be gathered according to how our deeds and a person's spiritual condition will become their physical condition on the day of judgment and then we learn for example that a person who's very arrogant in their behavior how will they be resurrected on the day of judgment how will they be resurrected they will be like ants all right ants Likewise, a person who commits oppression, how will they be on the Day of Judgment? In darkness. الظُّلْمُ ظُلُمَاتٍ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Likewise, we learn about certain other crimes, like for example, a person who does not give zakat. We learn the hadith in Kitabu Zakat. Right? That that animal that he did not give in zakat, that animal will trample him. In another hadith, we learn about how the gold and silver will be, or the money that a person did not give zakat on, will take the shape of a snake. So here we see that begging, it will turn a person such that his face will just be bones. There are certain other good deeds. There are certain good deeds for which a person will be also rewarded in hashr. Can you think of any? Exactly. Very good. The people who do wudu, right? their limbs will be shining. Meaning the limbs, the parts of the body that you wash when making wudu will be shining. What else? Exactly. There will be some people who will be given shade under the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And we learn about the seven types of people. Then we also learn about the fact that a person will be under the shade of their own sadaqah on the day of judgment. So all of this will happen when? In the hashr, in the gathering. Now, why this particular punishment? Why is it that there will be no flesh on the face? Why? What do you think the connection of this is with begging? Yes? Okay, it makes a person look hungry. and So just as they were hungry and greedy for the wealth of people, they will be like that. Yes? Exactly. You see, the face is the place of honor. Which is why we see that on the Day of Judgment, certain faces will be glowing, happy, nadira. And then other faces will be covered in gloom and embarrassment. And then here we see that this face will have no flesh. Why? Because a person humiliated themselves in this world by begging, by spreading their hand and by putting their needs before the creation. They humiliated themselves so that humiliation will cover them on the Day of Judgment. Their face will literally be without any flesh. And the rest of the hadith mentions the events of the Day of Judgment. Anything you'd like to say? Of course, I mean, if you have to refer to your father, I mean, there are some places where you will see someone saying my father or my son, but here we see he's taking his name. There is nothing wrong with that because it's for the purpose of identification. But of course, if you're addressing your father, you should not, you know, there should be respect over there. Next, باب قول الله تعالى لا يسألون الناس الحافة the statement of Allah the Exalted, لا يسألون الناس الحافة, they do not ask people الحافة importunately or naggingly. 
constantly. Imam Bukhari is referring to an ayah of the Quran, which inshallah we'll look at. And then the question, wa kamil ghina? Wa and kam, how much al ghina is richness? Meaning, how much constitutes wealth? How much money does a person have to have in order for them to be wealthy enough so that they're not eligible to ask others? You understand? Like for example, a person could be very needy. For example, a person could be very wealthy, but they might say, well, I also want an iPhone 10, for example, and I don't have the money for it. Can you beg for it? So this is a question that, وَكَمِلْ غِنَى How much exactly is غِنَى? And then, وَقَوْلِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ And the statement of the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَلَا يَجِدُ غِنًا يُغْنِيهِ And he does not find any richness that suffices him. So here, Imam Bukhari is bringing a hadith as, an, as a response, as an answer to the question. That richness is the amount of wealth that suffices a person, that allows him to survive. Alright, that allows him to survive. So for example, if a person has something with which they can clothe themselves and, you know, find a shelter and uh, also uh, have enough to eat, then this is what? They're wealthy enough. And then they're not allowed to beg. And then when it comes to begging, like for example, a person does not have any food at all. So then how should they ask? If a person finds themselves in a position where they must ask, how should they ask? Imam Bukhari brings an ayah of the Qur'an. لِلْفُقَرَاءِ الَّذِينَ أُحْصِرُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ إِلَىٰ قَوْلِهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ So this is ayah number 273 of Surah Al-Baqarah. Now, what is in this ayah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِلْفُقَرَاءِ الَّذِينَ أُحْصِرُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ That sadaqah, charity, should be given to who? To the poor people who are restricted in the way of Allah. How are they restricted? That لا يستطيعون ضربا في الأرض. They're not able to travel through the land. Meaning they're restricted in their means and they have dedicated themselves entirely to the way of Allah. So they're not able to travel through the land as other people travel and make money, engage in business and trade. Alright, why? Because they're dedicated to the way of Allah. But what happens with such people is that يَحْسَبُهُمُ الْجَاهِلُ agniya. The ignorant person thinks that they are wealthy. Why does the ignorant person think that they're wealthy? مِنَ taafuf Because of their restraint. Their restraint meaning the fact that they don't ask, the fact that they don't beg. Allah tells us, تَعْرِفُهُمْ بِسِيمَاهُمْ You will recognize them by their signs, by their face. That you will see the hunger, you will see the fatigue on their face. And the sign in their behavior is that لا يسألون الناس الحافة They do not ask people naggingly. وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمًا Whatever you spend of good, meaning of wealth, and indeed Allah is knowing of it. Now this ayah was specifically revealed about the Ashabu Sufa. Are you familiar with the Ashabu Sufa? They're the companions basically who lived in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, there were many other people also who migrated to Medina. Right? And they're known as the Muhajirun. And the Prophet ﷺ established brotherhood between the Muhajirun and the Ansar. 
correct? Now, it wasn't just at one point that the Muhajirun came. Muhajirun came in waves. And constantly, every now and then, somebody would immigrate to Medina. Somebody would come for some time and somebody would come to settle permanently. But the people of Medina were also limited. The Ansar were also limited in their wealth and their resources. So every Muhajir was not housed in an Ansari's house. You understand? Every Muhajir, every immigrant was not made a brother of some Ansari. So it is said that about 400 people, if you count the names of the companions, they have gone through this stage of being of the Ashabu Sufa. Sufa is a bench or something like that. So it was on the back of the masjid, some bench where they would put their things and that's where they would rest. So uh, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, he was of the Ashabu Sufa also. Now, these are the people who were restricted in the way of Allah, which means that every time the Prophet ﷺ went on an expedition or he had to send some people on an expedition, who would be ready to go? It was the Ashab al-Sufa. They had no homes, no families in the city of Medina. They were always available, always volunteering basically for everything. And they didn't have the means to even start a business or anything like that. So they were also suffering from extreme poverty. You're familiar with the poverty of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu? Sometimes he'd be so hungry that he would faint out of hunger. And then he would go, for example, to Umar radiallahu anhu and ask him a question in hopes that Umar radiallahu anhu would offer him some food. And then he would go just like that to other people. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he recognized the hunger on the face of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu and he offered him milk at one occasion. So in this ayah, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaching us? That we should look for people who need instead of waiting to be asked. We should not wait to be asked. Because sometimes we say like, you know, if someone were to ask me, I would give them. Nobody asked me. Don't wait to be asked. When you see people that there is a need that they have, they look hungry, they look tired, then take the initiative yourself. And then here, لا يسألون الناس الحافة Specifically about this word الحاف Because Imam Bukhari also brings it in the chapter heading The word الحاف is from the root لام حافة And الحاف is to continuously beg The word لحاف or ملحافة is from the same root And it means a blanket So a blanket is on you And just like that Someone who begs continuously it's like they're attached to you. They're not leaving you. Alaha ilayhi, it is said that he harassed him or he begged him persistently, constantly, as though he stuck to him. He didn't leave him. So these fuqara, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا يسألون الناس الحافة. They do not ask naggingly. So if we ever have to ask for something, how should we ask? Hmm? Nagging is not nice. And this is not just about asking for money when you are poor, but also asking for permission to do something, or permission to go somewhere, or permission to borrow something. It's not nice to insist, because the other person feels annoyed. So, لا يسألون الناس الحافة حدثنا حجاج بن منهال حدثنا شعبة أخبرني محمد بن زياد قال سمعت أبا هريرة رضي الله عنه the Prophet said that miskinu, the miskin, the needy person, is not الذي تردده, 
the one who taruddhu al-uklatu wal-uklatan whom a bite or two bites turn away when a beggar comes and they beg you they ask you you give them something small you give them a bite of food or two bites and what will happen they'll take it and they'll go away walakin al-maskin the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said this person is not a miskin who is really a miskin a miskin is alladhi laysa lahu ghinan the one who is not wealthy enough wa yastahyi and he feels shy aw la yasalu an-nasa ilhafa or he does not beg from people importunately meaning he does not nag this is the miskin so what do we learn from this hadith that in reality the real miskin is the one who refrains from asking and he is not known that is the real miskin so basically we are being encouraged to recognize to know the situation of people the people that we interact with and be realistic also in assessing their needs also the poor person described in this hadith the one who is turned away by a bite or two he is not really needy why because he fulfills his need by begging correct he fulfills his need by begging but the actual real miskin who didn't beg he's still hungry right he's still hungry so what's the lesson over here exactly if a person is hungry they are in need we learned that they can ask and that's exactly what imam bukhari is discussing over here that when you do have to ask don't ask naggingly it's like when they come to your window and they don't go away or when they keep pressing for donations and they don't stop until the maximum is reached that is also wrong and then on the other hand don't just think that the needy person is the one who begs also recognize the needy person who does not beg they should not ask that's the responsibility of the person who is asking that if they're fit they're healthy then they should not beg but if someone asks you and they look fit and healthy and wealthy should you give them yes if you have something to give you can give them because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would not turn you know any person who asked him away he would always give again uh, yes and that's exactly what is being discussed over here ask if you find yourself in need but don't ask naggingly you know for a certain person it might be like for example if a person is in third year med school and they've been working and they've just been paying off their fees and they need a book then what can they do حدثنا يعقوب بن ابراهيم حدثنا اسماعيل بن عليا حدثنا خالد الحذاء عن ابن اشوع عن الشعبي حدثني كاتب المغيره بن شعبه قال كتب معاويه الى المغيره بن شعبه so muawiya radiyallahu anhu he wrote to kataba he wrote to mughira ibn shu'bah what that aniktub that you should write for me so he sent him a letter that you send me a reply and in that reply write for me uktub ilayya bi shay'in with something that sami'tahu min an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam something that you heard from the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam so what happened mughira ibn shu'bah fakataba ilayhi he wrote to him a letter 
that Samiratun Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul that I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying that inna allaha kariha lakum thalathan that indeed Allah has disliked for you three things. Which three things? Qila wa qala. Qila means it was said. Qala means he said. It was said, he said. He said, she said. What does that mean? Gossip, right? Unnecessary conversations. Excessive talking. Secondly, wa al mali and wasting money. And thirdly, wa kathrat suali and asking too many questions or excessively asking. Now, before we go into the meaning of the hadith, what do you see over here? What's happening? Hadith is being hmm? written. It is being written even in the time of the companions. Because we see that it's being written and sent as a letter. So evidence of hadith being written very early. Now, what is the hadith? Why does Imam Bukhari bring this hadith over here? That Allah dislikes three things for you and of those things is asking excessively, asking too much. And begging too much is a form of asking too much. So this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes for us. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes these things for us, what should we do? Do these things? Refrain from them. What are these things? The first thing is qil waqal. It was said and he said. Imam Malik said, this is al-ikthāru min al-kalam. Talking too much. Because when we talk too much, we run out of things to talk about. So then we start talking about what others are talking about. Or what others said. Or what others did. Then we start talking about people. So Imam Malik said, it is al-ikthāru min al-kalam. And it is al-khawdu fi ma la ya'ni. Or indulging into something that has nothing to do with you. Another scholar said that this is talking about what people said and their situation. And this is a form of tajassus. What is tajassus? Spying or investigating the personal lives of others. Right? That okay, you tell me, what did she say when you went there? And what did he do? So this is what? Tajassus. Prying into affairs that have nothing to do with you. Not your business basically. And of course, this leads to backbiting also. It's a waste of time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes this for us. In another hadith, we learned that مِنْ حُسْنِ الْإِسْلَامِ الْمَرْءِ تَرْكُهُ مَا لَا يَعْنِيهِ That of the beauty of a person's Islam is that he leaves what does not concern him. That's not his business. The second thing is wasting money. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like that for us. What does it mean by that? Imam al-Nawawi said that wasting money is spending it in unlawful ways. Alright, spending it on things which are not lawful. Like for example, if a person were to spending $40 on it, that $40 is what? Wasting money. That $100 is wasting money. So first of all, it is spending in prohibited things. Secondly, it is leaving it so that it goes waste. Leaving it, abandoning it, so that it goes waste. Can you give me an example of that? Okay, good, very good. For the previous one, spending money on unlawful things, buying a lottery ticket. Sometimes it's just $2 or $4 or something like that. Even that is wasting money. So the second thing, leaving your wealth so that it goes waste. Abandoning it until it goes waste. Can you give me an example of that? Give me an example of 
leaving, abandoning something, ignoring it until it is wasted. Yes? I guess food, like some... Okay, food. That's a very good example and we need to become even more careful about this because this is something that happens in every kitchen. What else? Go ahead. I was thinking that a lot of times certain people will ask us and they're in need and we're like, no, 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 I need that money. But you never end up using it. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even money. It's certain things right? that you just keep them until they go expired or old or they go stale and then you have to get rid of it. Go ahead. I've, I've never heard a man say that, but mashallah, this is true. This is very true that sometimes we buy clothes or accessories which are extremely expensive and then we don't end up using them, right? Or we just save them for special occasions. But when those special occasions come, then again, we think that it's not worth it. Or if you don't take care of it properly, if you don't use it properly, right? Because sometimes we say, oh, it's dunya. And so we don't value it that much. But that doesn't mean that we waste it, that we are irresponsible with it. Also, it has been said that wasting money is that a person spends what is tayyib on khabith. What is tayyib on khabith? What does that mean? You know, for example, sometimes a person is charged interest. All right, so sometimes a person is charged interest. And now you should not technically be paying interest because that is not okay. But if you're using your lawful money, tayyib money, to pay interest, this is what? Wasting wealth. All right? Because tayyib should be used for tayyib only. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes that for us. Also, what is included in this is israf, being excessive. And the third thing mentioned in this hadith is asking excessively. Asking excessively meaning from people. This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like for us. Whether it is a question related to knowledge, or it is that a person is begging for wealth. A question related to knowledge, like for example, a person is asking hypothetical questions, irrelevant questions, questions that are not realistic, that are to do with issues that are not practical at all, but they're just asking. What if this happens and what if that happens and what if this happens? This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes for us. We should ask questions which are relevant, which we can actually act on, which are related to action. Then su'alun mal, begging for money, meaning asking people for their money, asking them repeatedly. Or thirdly, asking excessively also includes asking people about their personal life. That okay, you tell me, how many brothers do you have, for example? And the person just gives a general answer. No, no, you tell me. No, you tell me. No, you tell me. Or how much money do you make? Where do you live? What is your phone number? People don't want to share their phone number, but you know, asking them three, four, five times. This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes for us. When you ask someone a question once and they seem to be a little uncomfortable, get the message. Don't repeat the question again. A good question, it is said that it is half of knowledge. Meaning sometimes you learn a lot by asking questions, but those questions which are practical. Again, if it's related to real life scenarios, which you feel may be very relevant to your situation or the situation of people that you know of, then there's no harm in asking such questions. But if it's, you know, something that's very rare, something difficult to even imagine. Like, for example, you'll find discussions on, is burraq halal? 
I mean, first find a buraq, and then we'll discuss if it's halal or not. So things like that, not practical at all. And this is like when a person goes to one imam and they ask a question and they don't get the answer they like, then they go find another imam and then they'll ask someone else. Just like that, if we're going through some difficulty, we'll go cry before one person that, okay, you tell me what I should do. We don't get a satisfying answer, so we go to somebody else and then go to somebody else and then waste everybody's time. So that also is not good. You see, in the Qur'an, the example of the Bani Israel is mentioned, right? Where they asked so many questions about the cow. They were told, slaughter a cow. But then they asked the profession, the age, the color, everything about the cow. And the Prophet ﷺ told people about Laylatul Qadr, that it's one of the last odd nights. So somebody, you know, so there was a lot of noise and stuff like that. So I cannot recall the hadith exactly, but another occasion, the Prophet ﷺ told the people about hajj, that it is mandatory to do hajj. Somebody asked every year, Now, is that really a question that should be asked? Like, is it even possible to do hajj every year? No. But if you're asking the Prophet ﷺ, should hajj be done every year? That question is unnecessary. So, you know, over time things do become clear. But our focus should always be on what is related to me, what is related to the people I know, what is realistic. Or because a person doesn't want to do something. Like for example, you ask somebody to bring water and they're like, okay, which cup? How much water from the refrigerator or the tap? Just bring water. 